book it's probably the most in books that i laughed out loud didn't need an audio book i just read it from front i i, I think i didn't sleep or eat for like hours because i read the entire book in one setting mm-hmm. it was just so entertaining and i love that they really got to his beginning years like they really just went through when he went to canada when he was you know trying to you know what's the what's the what's the military the word for that? A wall, the draft dodger, yeah, A-wall. right? Yeah, draft yeah, A wall. Mm-hmm. I I love that, and I loved how they and really encompassing how he was a master of all genres of music. Like it wasn't, and then how he got into funk. Like he wanted to do what George Clinton did. I did want. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to see. I, the only thing that I would critique in terms of some of the the music journalists in there talking about what his influences was. Really, Eddie Levert was really like. I wish they would have dealt. I wish they would have had him in the. That's my only pick because mm-hmm. that was one of his main influences in terms of doing soul music. And then it's a whole thing on that because Eddie Levert did an interview. Gerald and Eddie did an interview talking about not Sean. Rick James. Yeah. <laughs> listen, man. Listen. <laughs> Must uh, you disrespecting the band? That's not. I didn't no. say that. I didn't say I didn't say that. These are people that that I know said this. It's not me. It's a it was out there, but but any but anyway to digress. Um, yeah, I just enjoyed it. It was just certain certain. Uh, it got to certain points with Rick James' story in terms of the drug usage. I wish they would have delved more into like getting like actual, I guess, therapist or anybody in terms of the psyche of somebody that's on drugs, because I feel like people that are on drugs, they have various reasons why they're on it. And I felt like the ones telling the stories that was there, like, okay, I get that was your friend, but that's very insensitive. You'd be like, man, you're too old for that shit. Quit doing that shit. Like that's not going to help somebody that's on drugs, but that's just my opinion. But I feel like certain parts of the story, it's like, well, you know, I wish I would have been more sensitive to what this really was instead of just, I don't think it was just all ego or maybe it was, I don't know. What do y'all think about that in terms of how he's depicted in terms of the personality? Uh, is he ego crazed? I know drugs is a part of it, but do we get to like the root of like who he was as a person? Do you think that that documentary did that? It, um, well, I saw it at the uh, Tribeca um, mm-hmm. earlier this year um, when it mm-hmm. first premiered. And I I was just, I, I love Rick James. I was just, I was knocked out. It was just excellent. Mm-hmm. Everything that I expected it to be. Um, there is an aspect in the early, I don't want to give a spoiler, but I kind of am spoiling it, where they bring the up his, too? I'm sorry. I said, do he die at the end too? It, Mark, what is going on? This is the first episode. We gotta, we gotta ease the listeners. Mark, Catherine Jackson is listening to this show just, right you now. You know, showcase it on the first episode. This up. There is, uh, like in the early part of the documentary when they talk about his upbringing um, in Buffalo, New York, and I just don't think anybody picked this up. It's the part where um, they bring up his sexual abuse yes um by the female who was watching him mm-hmm. and i was like this is really like you, you don't get this kind of insight about male artists a lot you know we heard about mm-hmm. whitney we've we've heard about um uh aretha you know in a lot of in a lot of ways we don't get to hear this about male artists and I could only think about like how many young boys this happened to and they just didn't say anything at the time. So mm-hmm. I was blessed to get this kind of story, you know, you know what I'm saying, this kind of insight to explain how maybe that factored into what 
happened to him, you know, later on in his life, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the trauma that he dealt with. Um, but it was, yeah, other than that, I, I, I loved it. I, I thought that, you know, it's a story, you know, um, they touched on the music. They touched on uh, how they played the uh, stems of certain songs, mm-hmm. like uh, yep. You and I, when they you isolated the, mm-hmm. the vocal and they, they mm-hmm. just played the groove. Oh man, mm-hmm. that was that was just yes. that was beautiful. That was like mm. man. I, lo- I, like, I, I would, would love. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gil. No, I'm just saying when they did the Mary Jane, the demo of him doing the demo of uh, my house, I was like, yo, I would love to mm-hmm. hear this full song. But yeah, go ahead. My bad. Yeah, yeah, I would love like a retrospective, like a full retrospective of just his demos and all of that stuff. But it was just really insightful to just get just the full story of him because we only get the wild years and all of his, mm-hmm. you know, debauchery and all of that. And I mm-hmm. think that that overshadows really the genius that this man really was. Cause he, he was just, he touched for a, a period of time. He was really one of the greats of the, of that period. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As far as R and B and funk and, you know, uh, uh, rock funk and, and all of that stuff. So, I mean, just to get his story in, in the way that it was told, man, it, it was, it was really a knockout. I, I enjoyed it. I like that. I think the biggest thing, like you said, they, I like, they didn't harp on, um, like the wild, like get into eighties, like just street songs. Like, cause that he was more than that. I like how they mm-hmm. went from the very beginning in the history of like, him getting with different like Bob Dylan, like get into all those different uh, aspects of his musicianship. I feel like that's important to his story and I'm glad they told it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I loved it all the way around. I just like certain things. It's like, I, I was kind of nitpicking on that, but other way, either way, I loved it. But what do y'all think? Mark and EB. Mark. You know what? I don't know her. So actually, <laughs> I haven't seen the documentary yet. Oh Yeah. What I've heard of it is that they touch on the fact that he was almost a victim in the Charles Manson murders, which is something. Oh that yeah, yeah, yeah it was in the book. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I realized they like brought that into the the, the documentary. I don't know if they mm-hmm. mentioned any of his rivalry with Prince, but mm-hmm. uh, they, they did. They did. If anything, mm-hmm. some of the response yeah, to bit. the documentary has mm-hmm. reminded me, like, oh wait a minute, Rick James isn't just um, Mary Jane, isn't just uh, mm-hmm. street songs, basically. And I'm like, oh, actually, we should probably look closer at this. And like, it, I don't know why I didn't call for this kind of a documentary sooner. There's some great stories in there that just mm-hmm. haven't been told yet. Yep. Looking forward hey. to. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I mean, I I loved it only because I I just have loved like my Mount Rushmore of just R&B geniuses is Rick James, Curtis Mayfield, Barry White, and is the fourth one and I can't think of right now, but um, Isaac Hayes is Isaac Hayes. But I, I love the fact that we dived into his life before the fame. Then we went through the years towards the fame and then we mm-hmm. hit the fame and he wasn't just reduced to that same Chappelle skit that right. I'm Rick James bitch that he's been, I think his genius is too bright to be reduced to this skit all the time. And I love that the fact that we dove into the complexities of his life, you know, his early childhood and even like his draft dodging, his relationship with women and how even that was weird um, that there were certain women that he revered and he treated like royalty and certain women that he was just like, no. And I think that's just part of his story and the trauma that he went through as a child that plays out and even him growing up in an environment like Buffalo and what was going on in Buffalo during the time. I, um, I love the fact, and I wish we got like, I don't know if this is the word audiographies because they were able to play these demos that he laid Mm -hmm. that we never heard. Like, I wish we got more of that from people, Mm -hmm. not just, Mm -hmm. you know, their music, but the music of other people that they inspired or Mm -hmm. may have been in charge Mm -hmm. of, you know, managing. Um, I think it was great. I I, I went into it knowing a lot about Rick James and I left it knowing a lot more about Rick James. And Mm -hmm. 
honestly, like being a bit more compassionate and, you know, emphasize, I mean, um, like there was a certain point that I watched, I was watching and I almost started crying, to be honest with you, because I was like, for you to be one of my favorites, and in my eyes, one of the greatest of all time, but one of the most memorable in R&B, you know, that's just a fact. Everybody knows who Rick James is, but, and you have, you to have gone through everything you went through and every time you went through, you still came out on the other side, no matter how you came out, you still came out. I compare his story to a lot of people that we know. I'm not going to name names now who are in the news for doing things that they probably should not have done, who have very similar origin stories where you went through this traumatic event or you've been through this experience as a child. And we don't, necessarily dive into um those factors and how you come out on the other side of it whether you are you know a victim or whether you're a predator like all of that is very nuanced i I compare it a lot to the richard Pryor story i always put rick and richard together for whatever reason i think their stories are so similar Mm -hmm. um and i i think it was great i don't think anything was missing um, I was so happy to see Val Young. When I saw Val Young, I mm-hmm. all, really I st- I jumped up and I screamed on my couch because I was like Val Young, like because oh I, she had a little knew, cute outfit on, had the overalls on. That was so cute. Listen, because I knew JoJo um, McDuffie was going to be in it. I knew she was going right. to be in it. Mm-hmm. But to see Val and to hear Val tell these stories and talking to hear how close Todd was to Val, that you know, close enough to call her when her father was going through. Mm-hmm. And to hear Val talking like she had just not smoked, but ate a pack of Marlboro. Like, <laughs> I was like, I want to be your friend. I want to hang out with you. Like, right. you got that old raspy voice. You sitting up there with the with the um, XL floral top from Dress Barn and you talking. You know, is her hair still blonde? Still, she's a natural blonde. What are you talking about? Oh my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't okay, yeah. She's a nat- <laughs> Val Young is a natural blonde. You ain't gonna do that to Val. <laughs> no, Val Young right. is a natural blonde. But no, to to see all of that and to hear all of that, and I'm glad that Ty, um, his daughter was so um, was like a central figure of it because I think a lot of times we get these um documentaries where the people who are central figures are like not really related to the person. Right. And I was I was happy to see that she was. But also, I recognize that because she is his daughter, that her lens of who he was is a bit distorted. Like, everybody's going to look at their parents a little differently. So that that would have probably been my only, like, yeah, I'm happy this happened. But also, I wish it would have been somebody else because, of course, she's going to say great things about her father. Like, she talked about how great he was with women when we just saw. Like, no, like... You think so? Because it was a part where she was like, oh, it was not... she. I feel like she was, like you said, with like, that's your dad. Like you're going to view him differently. I Mm. related to that when she said, because I got, you know, stories on mine and it's like, well, that was my experience, but I'm not going to invalidate. Right. I've had moments to where like the same, literally could be the same person as Rick James. And I'm like, well, that wasn't my, that my experience. That wasn't my experience. Invalidate what you're saying. And I think that's the most important thing. When looking at and I did cry. I it was not yeah, when they started it was, talking. It was, it was heavy. I cried mostly because it's like, okay, you got this great talent. Like he fought so hard to get to because it took him so long to get discovered and be in there. And, and then he got it. And then the drugs and then everything that Consumed he went them. through as a kid, it just Man. like it makes me think it's like, oh, well, I'm gonna keep abusing people because you don't care about me anyway. You just care about who I am. Yeah. Right. I'm exactly. an artist, so I'm just going to keep, and it's addict. I can get, just for me, like, doing not so many drugs, but, you know, not to, you know, say too much, but I can see when I'm impaired, like, if somebody that's addicted to it, I I could feel, it was certain points in my life where I could feel myself getting addicted to drugs and alcohol, because being in the music industry, you, you deal with certain things, and it's like, oh, this is a dependency that I can lean on. And it's like, I see that it's like in my peripheral, but I'm just 
okay, I'm just going to stop doing it for so long. I can go like long periods of doing, doing like drinking alcohol and stuff like that. And then I can go days without it, doing it and going without it. So I can get where that perspective is of Rick James is like, you know what? I'm just going to say fucking and do whatever I want to, because mm-hmm. I got to the point in my life to where nobody cared and nobody cares. And it's, it's clear as day. He probably could tell who was formal, who wasn't. And it's like, well, I'm just going to test everybody. And then again, he probably could see this person really cares about me, but I'm not going to give them that love. And this person that cares too much, I'm going to, cause he said it in the song. I used to use and abuse them. It's like a part of the music. And so it, with that yeah. vein, that yeah. the sadness of it is that, we look at drug, we look at the artists. Is there so many artists that either died from drugs or alcohol poisoning or whatever that it's like, did we really care about them as a human? And, and I think the factor, the factor of that is always in my head when we talk about Aretha, when we talk about Rick James, when we talk about those artists that had those, it's like we talk about how big they were there, which is we should talk about it, but that's always a part that's, it's like a afterthought. Like, yeah, you had a drug problem. Who cares? But it's like, that's the main thing. The dependency is that they don't care. They, they don't think anybody cares outside of either the family, even if the family is saying it, it's not enough. If genius, that makes sense. But, but yeah. Genius often overshadows humanity. And mm-hmm. for people like I mentioned Richard Pryor earlier, I'm mentioning Rick James. Um, for certain people, and this is the case with the Rick James documentary, um, you see their fight to be seen, their mm-hmm. fight to be recognized as human um, through other channels. I think Rick is one of the greatest. Like, I'm a child of an addict. Like, I I talk mm-hmm. openly about my struggles of that life, like mm-hmm. how it's shaped who I am. Um, mm-hmm. I think for Rick, that was just an inevitable part, inevitable part of his story. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you can tell the story of Rick James without touching on that, not even touching on that. You have to dive deep into that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of what we got from the documentary told the truth, whether it was pretty or ugly. Like mm-hmm. they didn't really shy away from the truth at all. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times especially, you know, in the artistic community, I mean, in the black community in general, but in the artistic community, we attribute a lot of people's genius to that drug use, but I think it should be the other way around. I think we should contribute the drug use to their genius because he was always trying to be seen and escape Mm -hmm. from something like from birth, like he's trying to be seen, he's trying to escape. And that's what I got from the film, even him, I think when Ty was telling the story about how she and her brother were found after so long, like even his willingness to go back as a, you know, as somebody who's made it and, um, and, you know, you've had these children about this woman who didn't necessarily tell you or who doesn't acknowledge you as the father, you know, to your face, you searching for it. It, it shows that Rick still had a heart. He wanted to be human. He wanted to love in the same way that he was loved. But I think uh, most most people loved him for his who he was, Rick James, the star, the, the star. artist, yeah, yeah, the star, yeah. and not necessarily the person. And I think that contributed a lot to what we saw play out in the media. You know, the negative images of Rick James. We right. saw that because he wasn't because a lot of people threw him away. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, even after he had become a star, you know, even mm-hmm. after he had become Rick James, after Street Songs, you know, I think Street Songs is probably his biggest album. Not my favorite, but his biggest. But I I think people were still throwing him away. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that they showed that, a lot of that. Um, it, it just sucks having to get these things after someone has passed. Like, right. you know, I want them to be involved in the story. I want them to tell the story story. in their own words. And I think we're lucky that, you know, Rick did sit down again. Shout out to David Ritz. Mm -hmm. Um, Rick did sit down with people and tell his story. But I Mm -hmm. wish that we would have gotten a lot of it, you know, directly from his mouth. And that's oh, a difference. Do I think it would have made a difference? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, in the way that it impacted me, a little yes, because I I was still impacted. But I think that it's one thing. It's just like anything else. It's one thing to hear your story told or to watch someone tell your story. It's a completely different thing to tell it yourself because the emotion will never be the same, you know, when you're actually voicing. And I'm glad that they got they gave the throwback clips of his interviews when he's talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I just wish that it would have been in the present tense. Like right. I'm a person who and I think anybody who knows me knows that I will appreciate an artist where they are whenever they are. So that's why a lot of times I will talk about people that people don't necessarily show respect to and I'll give them flowers and people are like, oh my God, they died. No, I'm just acknowledging the greatness that they are while they're still here. So they right. have a chance to respond to it. And I wish Rick would have had that. I still think, and I'm, I will, listen, I will go to the grave thinking this, that Chappelle skit did more harm. Yeah. His sure. As it showed in the documentary. It, because, it, yeah, it, it yeah. did so much harm. It's like, because people reduced him to this caricature that was only for late night TV and he was a joke. And a lot of people, you know, um, not my age, way older than me because I'm very young, but a lot of people <laughs> older than me would be like, you know, that's all they know about Rick is I'm Rick James, bitch. And they don't know about the genius. They don't know about Garden of Love. They don't know about Fire It Up. They don't know about the Mary Jane girls. They don't know about um, Val Young. I mean, Val Young, you know, the OG Marlboro Menthol. They They don't know about Tina Marie. They don't know that. And it's because they were handed this poorly crafted image, this joke, this caricature of someone to pacify them instead of diving deep into who they were as an artist, what made them an artist, what made them the way they were, why they acted the way they did, why their public persona was one thing versus their family saying other things. I think that has always and will always bother me about stories being told about people is that they're not telling them themselves. Right. I'm sorry, I still want to push back on that because again, mm-hmm. like it was reductive to just you know have him be I'm Rick James bitch to somebody. Right. But the problem is like, you no, know, if that's your only view of like what his identity was, like not giving him credit as a writer, as a as a producer, mm-hmm. as someone who actually contributed something that like other people took and and spun off from, like he's your favorite artist, favorite artist, probably in a whole bunch of cases, but you don't mm-hmm. know, you don't do the research. The problem is that we don't necessarily acknowledge that as a door that people can go through. Um, like we were talking about 90s samples and, and, and whatnot. Like yeah. that was my window into like a whole bunch of artists from the 70s and, and whatnot. So mm-hmm. if I only heard you can't touch this and thought like, oh, you know, Super Freak is such a cool song. But mm-hmm. that's usually a way for people to do more research and find out about the artist. It, it's so, You're right. You're right. Artist. But I think and yeah, in, in, not that I'm calling humanity stupid or anything i am no we would never want to do i'm giving you like in that case we're giving people more credit than they deserve because there have been many times like i will go back even to earlier this year um or last year i guess when uh bruno mars and anderson pock had the leave the door open song and people were like oh real r&b is the 70s without actually going back and wanting to hear what the actual sound of the 70s was they didn't go back to philadelphia international they didn't go back to like a motown they didn't go back to a south soul they went straight to oh no you're bringing it back so now i'm just waiting for the next person to do it without Mm -hmm. wanting to know more about it and i think that's what you mean making a better link to the past because it would have been great if he just said like you know respect to uh people Mm -hmm. from the philly soul like motown yes yeah exactly that yeah, exactly that. that. I yeah, think we'll go to Google and put in Wikipedia. I'm sorry, Q. I've been quite right. cut off for the last. No, hours. you're good. No, you're, you're good. No, I no, listen good. because you're absolutely right. Like I, I wish that was the case, um, all of the time, but it's clearly not. And I think with Rick James' story, and the reason I have you know such strong feelings about the I'm Rick James skit is because during that time I was in high school and. I was already a fan of Rick, like a hardcore fan. Like I remember people, and I think Hewlin may have asked me this one time, did I grow up in a Michael Jackson or a Prince household? And I was like, no, Rick James. Yes. Like my people love Rick James. <laughs> so I already knew who he was, but I saw it happening around me when I'm Rick James. And I was like, 
but y'all don't know Rick James and y'all don't care right. to know. Mm-hmm. You don't care to know anything about his life. So I was always like, they were like, oh, no, you always a buzzkill. You don't never want to be funny. Imagine that. And I was just like, uh, but Rick James is an actual person and he's great. Like, and, and this is during the time that we're listening to like Mariah do glitter and have, you know, Rick James be a part of, yeah, have him be a part of the, of the soundtrack and a part of that whole movement. This is like during the time when Mary is doing love is all we need. And we're hearing Moonchild and realizing how great it was when mm. we're like still listening still to this day of samples of the Mary Jane girls. And it was mm. like, but you don't appreciate anything other than this. And this is also why we get biopics instead of documentaries, because mm. they're not going to appreciate, you know, I think us for, you know, we appreciate those things, but and I'm not to not trying to call the general public dumb or, you know, whatever, but I don't think they appreciate it in the same way that we do. Yeah, they don't. I think mostly. No, like, say what you're going to say, Mark. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you missed a, a reference. Remember when ODB covered Cold-Blooded? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's my movie. I mean, my, my song. Shout out to Linda, because I love her. People, you know what's crazy? Rick, oh, like, like the ODBs and, and whatnot. So, like, I don't think you had like the like the intelligentsia, like going back and being like, "Hey, have you listened to like you know Rick James's like uh, second track on the second side of this one album, like busting out of L Seven? Like, wait a minute, who was you know like really paying attention to like that? We haven't had that kind of resurgence. Hopefully, the the documentary brings a lot of that forth, but there yeah. just hasn't necessarily been that kind of resurgence where say. I mean, like, if you had somebody like Bruno Mars who's just like, oh, my gosh, I love Rick James so much. And he's always talking about him, in, like, in interviews. Then suddenly, like, you know, the fans would have a reason to go back and be like, who to go is back. So, mm-hmm. listen, and I talk a lot about Mary because she's my favorite because a lot of my gateway to the past has been Mary. Like, she because she's always been very candid in her interviews and talking about specific people like talking about the Melissa Morgans, talking about the Karen Wheelers, you know, talking about the Malyras, talking about the Philly soul sound. Like, records. I, I listen, I mean, like, that's what, but I think that, and I, this is a whole nother conversation, but that should be the responsibility of an artist. If you're going to introduce a certain sound to your fan base, then it should be your responsibility to educate your fan base about that sound, or at least to give them, you know, a clue or nuggets here and there about where to look next. And I don't think that the Chappelle skit was doing that for Rick. I don't think anybody's done that for Rick, honestly, like until we got the documentary and there are so many people who still haven't seen that. They didn't know the documentary was coming out. Like they had no idea. They still don't know what's out. So I, I want more awareness around music education and music history, especially as it relates to like black music. So black music could be mm-hmm. any genre, but you know, black music, than there is and there's just not and it it pisses me off like because i want people to know things we talked earlier about people jumping in with random facts and saying oh well did you know that patrice russian had braids and it's like okay <laughs> what else do you know about patrice rush like right. no more like Dude, I, there want were feathers you, too. I want you to speak more you said what there were feathers too there were feathers there were feathers too. Are you tell me there weren't feathers? Let's go on Twitter and argue about this. No, right listen, now. there were feathers. Listen, to each his own. He said he'd go on Twitter and argue. About it. I just want people to know more. I want people to I want people yeah. to yearn for more. I want them to thirst for that knowledge. And I get frustrated as a music head when people don't, because I've never ever in the history of niggerdom heard or listened to an artist. And wanted to know more about their origin, where they came from, who produced them, who sang background, who played percussion. Like, I want to know more. And I'm like, why doesn't everybody just want that? Like, it bothers me, but I get that's just not the way the world works. Yeah. I wish, I I think we need to conquer the humanity part before they get to that. Because I feel like more more so they try to, Mm -hmm. like, again, the... The music knowledge is cool, but it's like if you don't get, like you said, bringing up like where they the origin of who they are, like you're never going to understand the music. Because I feel like um, where we certain parts of history, like the Vietnam War, like those things in terms of how that, that was dealing with black men, like that's in part important parts of 
what's the psyche going into his head, make, making him motivated to still do music when he has the draft dodging thing going on. Like all those are important factors to getting to that music part. And it's like all those things affect that artist, whether, you know, it's like so many artists that have gone through the pain and all those different aspects of their, their career is on like pain maybe. And you said earlier, Richard Pryor, that's the first thing I thought of because it was similar in terms of how they, how they took drugs. That's what the, it was more about control. And so I'm controlling this woman. She's doing everything I say. I'm going to try to beat that or confidence out of her or strip that away. Cause Richard Pryor had the same no, concept of that. And so once when, you've been a victim and you've been victimized by anyone, control becomes your method of seeking power. Right. So and we see that today when people who are sexual predators, like they constantly take control of other people because right. in their mind, as long as they are in control of a person, place, thing, situation, they're no longer a victim. But it never it's, it's almost like doing a drug. It's like, yeah, you're going to get the high one time, but you're never going to get that same high. So why? Yeah. Like, and and it's I, just I guess it's, none of us will understand that because right. we are. Well, I would hope we not. Um, predators. And the, the functionality, I think it showed the functionality because a lot of times people don't even know that these artists have drug history. And, and I think Rick James and Whitney, those Whitney, artists, yeah. they had a high functioning Man. ability with drugs. And I think in Rick James case, when he, when the Rick, when the, the Chappelle show hit, it was a lot of people that was around him said that that was his second, that was his chance. It was his chance. Start yeah, him again. And so yeah. Yeah. when he got the drug and he had a pacemaker, a lot of people don't know, like his last mm-hmm. year, he had a pacemaker. He had a stroke. So that's, yeah. Yeah. And I know somebody that does drugs. And a lot of times when they get back into it, it's mostly like, oh, I can control it. And a lot of them it's have always those moments. About control. Yeah. And it's like, OK, I'm 20 years old again. I'm this how old they were when they started doing it. I still have control over it. Right. Not knowing that you older now, your body's not the same. So it's like if I do too much. I'm not going to do too much because I have control over how much I take. And I feel like that's most people's cases when they it's get the in illusion of, of control. Yeah, illusion of control. You want to be in control of it right? because you think right. that you've been through the situation and now you have a better yeah. grasp of it and you know how to handle it. And again, I'm here to tell you as somebody who knows you never have control of it. It, yeah, it always control. controls you. And yeah. I think that's the unfortunate thing about Rick James is that he often thought that he was in control mm-hmm. even after prison. He thought that he would have a better grasp on it because he's been clean for, you know, how many ever years and he's done the he's done the work, but you know, it's a chemical that alters your mind. And I think mm-hmm. for Rick, it, the, the thing that hurts people like Rick or other people who I consider to be musical geniuses who have addiction um, problems is that, their art still shines through, so they still don't see it as being mm-hmm. a problem. Like for anybody that we know, I guarantee you 90 to 95% of the artists who we consider legends right now have all had those problems. They've had the same problems as people that we don't know. The The difference is the people that we don't know, it mm-hmm. consumed them in a way that they were not even able to release anything or to create mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. for the other people that we know now who are, we consider to be legends. It's something that they thought they had a grasp on. I look at like even Amy Winehouse, like mm-hmm. Amy just mm-hmm. knew, you know, that she was in control and she had it and it did not turn out in the same way for her. Mm-hmm. It did not yeah. turn out for Rick. Yeah. Later in life, it did not turn out for like the Richard Pryors. It did not turn out for, these people who had serious psychological issues and therefore turned to like chemical dependencies, but it, it doesn't always turn out the same for everybody. And I'm, I'm partially glad it turned out for Rick the way it did. Yeah. Because he was he went through a lot, lot of stuff. He lied. He went through a lot of stuff. Of Just trauma. the fact he survived trauma, the seventies, the fact he survived that era before he even did street songs is a miracle in itself. So yeah. he lived a life. I think in totality, I love the documentary because I it really showcased, like I said, a master of all genres. But he understood what all those genres 
Mark gets it because he's a he's a musician in terms of like you know what style this is you know what chords chord patterns it is and he understood because he said I remember them saying in the documentary that George Clinton he's like oh I want that he he knew what he wanted he just didn't know how to contextualize uh, contextualize it or make a concept of it and when he heard George George Clinton he's like okay I can I can master this this is what I want to do and different styles of funk you know you got the Minnesota funk Prince funk you got it's just all different kinds. George Clinton, and he had his his own style where that bass was always hitting. That it, it wasn't it wasn't over the top. It wasn't it was just in a, in the pocket. It wasn't like a crazy rhythm. It was just he gonna give you that straight funk that 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 drive every time. So I think it did a great job of showing. And I keep bringing it up. I say it all the time. He has this quote in the biography book. I need more fire in my rock and more funk in my folk. And since he started out doing folk music and he conquered that, he's like, I need something that's going to embody that. I need to create music that embodies that. And I felt like when he said that, it just jumped out at me because it's like, that's how I feel music. Like, I have to feel it at all times. And that's when you hear Rick James, when you hear Garden of Love, like, he, you can hear that pocket. You can hear the Stone City Band. Like, you can hear it. Like, he has to feel it for you to be moved by the lyrics. Like, great lyricists as well. Like, mm -hmm. incredible. The way he picked, but yeah, that I love. No, and shout out, no, really, shout out yeah. to the Stone City Band because I remember yeah. a couple of years ago I had was talking about Rick and writing about Rick, and they jumped in my ass like, "Oh yeah, how you gonna mention Rick <laughs> without mentioning us?" I will never right. make that mistake again. Yeah, I'm so glad that they were all like yeah. so prominently mm -hmm. featured because Stone I was City. like, "All right, yeah. I get it," but I was just talking about him. But okay, I, I like they don't. Rick James, the artist, does not become rick james without the stone city band stone so city i can yep. yeah, yeah they were the things that he couldn't do in terms of certain core patterns he couldn't play on the bass he had you know the band to do that for if he needed a certain drum lick he's like i can tell you like a producer what a producer is supposed to do what he did with the mary jane girls he could mm -hmm. orchestrate it you know what puffy tries to do but he's a musician so he could get <gasps> no shade i'm just saying like he could i don't try to take shots at puff i love puff but <laughs> I'm just saying, it's certain things that you you gotta know how to play to. I'm in you know, New York, so I can't say you know. nothing. But, but anyway, I, I have a question for all of y'all, oh, real quick. Like one, if you had one song by Rick James that either was his song or something he wrote, produced for someone, or maybe a sample of a Rick James song that you can name one favorite song. Like, what's your one favorite? Candyman, Mary Jane Gross. <laughs> Like for real, did you really just take that simple synth line and really make the song go? It was so well put together. Yes, Brandon. Oh, this one is a hard. This one is a hard one for me. A song that he wrote. Oh my God. Deja vu. I've been here before. I can feel this for sure. Like, it's still, it's crazy to me that, you know, with all the attention that he gets for his funk material, but to write a song as delicate and as beautiful and as gorgeous that has so much mysticism in it, how did you write that? You know what I mean? It's like, every mm -hmm. time I hear it, it's like, how could you come up with- Can I, can I give you a hint, Brandon? Go ahead. On how he wrote it? <laughs> um, but it's so but it, yeah, that's true <laughs> but you're right no you're you're absolutely it's, right though it, i mean it's just it's just so beautiful you know to me and um as far as his material i mean there's so many favorites i, I can like i can go off top from the his first album come get it um dream maker or um uh, <laughs> busting out on uh, uh, L7. Seven, yes. Yeah, I mean, there are just so many. And then the, uh, the Throwing Down album, which is like filled with jams. So, I, oh, there's, I, I can't, I can't nail it down to one. Chewing. 
Damn, I can't. Oh, there's so many. It's hard for me to pick because Big Tom, I just love mm-hmm. those piano chords. It's just the way that it's arranged. Love album is so underrated. In the big time. Yes, I love yes, that it's album. It's the best. It's the best. It's the so best Rick James album. I said that on Twitter. It's a, literally oh. the best Rick James album is Garden of Love. Like, mm. oh my God. But it's hard for me to pick because I like um, When the Love is Gone. Or they, they, it's weird. It's like two different titles for that song. When the love is gone, or when the love has gone. I don't know. Whichever mm, cocaine, version. you know, cocaine will destroy right. the word. Whichever version, <laughs> right? Before when the love is gone. It. No, it's the cocaine is made at your present tense, a past tense. It, it's hard. When the love is no, gone, I get when it. The love has gone, and then uh, make love to me. I just love the horn arrangement, the oh, jazz. I love the versatility of that record. That how it started with the horns and. It was just beautiful, and then it just takes you on the journey. Of, it's just a great, conceptually great song, but it's hard to pick mm. my favorite Rick James record because it's I like was, so many grooves. Yeah, I was grateful that this uh, documentary brought up his love for jazz. That was mm-hmm. one aspect of his artistry that I don't think he gets a lot of credit for. Mm-hmm. And um, shout out to Daniel, uh, uh, what's his last name? Uh, Lamine, the La- La- male. Lamel, I think that's what it is. Yeah. From Stone yeah, City. From the Stone yeah. City. Yeah. 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 The saxophonist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's great. I, but yeah. I, the Garden of Love is still my favorite. So my favorite Rick James song is still Don't Give Up on Love. Girl, you got to. For whatever reason, that song is like it. It's it's so high up that it's mm-hmm. it's like Fire. I I think it tells. I mean, it tells the story that it's supposed to tell. But I think it says so much about Rick. Like in general, it combines like every aspect of who he is into one song, and it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually pleasantly surprised that everybody has great songs here, and I'm like. Hmm. Dream Maker, that's the one though. That's the that's the That's a classic joint. It's so many, I can't pick. (laughs) Dance with me, dance with me off the uh I was just trying to test see if y'all knew. Rick James, but everybody knew Rick James, so I'm gonna And you know what's crazy about dance with me? Listen, my best friend and I, that song come on, and we go back to the way we were when we were babies because we were babies when it came out. If I would have a question for Rick James, I want to know how he did he get what because GQ's um disco nights that guitar riff same similar, it's the same, it's the same exact song, yep. Like two bar difference because it cuts but wait, off. What's but first? I believe it was GQ. That's why I said that. G- yeah. GQ came out with that first. That's why I'm like, if I had a question to ask Rick James, it's like, how did you create Dance With Me? Because it sounds just like disco nights. And I don't want to say he was biting it, but it literally two bars away. If it would, if he added two more bars, it would be disco night. Dun, 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 it's, but yeah. Um, it's last segment because I'm trying to wrap it. It's just real easy, real quick. Uh, it's gonna call it savvy association. Uh, that's why I'm calling it. And I'm gonna pick a word. I think every pod, every podcast episode, I'm just gonna pick a word 
of, and I want y'all to define the first thing you hear, like a song lyric or uh, when you hear this word. So I'm just going to go easy one. And the first word is love. What do y'all think of when y'all hear the word love in a song? Like what song comes up? A single uh, song, not like an entire album because... No, just a song. Just one lyric? song. Yes, Rufus and Shaka Khan. Um, don't let them get the best, get the best of, of your heart. heart. Mm-hmm. Leave the rest up to love, and you'll be taken care of. Don't let them get the best of your heart. Leave the rest up to love, and you'll be taken care of. So it's, it's basically uh more of self-acceptance and Mm -hmm. first loving yourself before anyone else can love you and coming to terms that everybody's not going to love you and meet you where you are while you're seeking Mm -hmm. the love that you think you desire or deserve. Mm -hmm. Mark or Brandon, whoever want to go. Wait, I got one more. I got one more. Go ahead. And then Reby Jackson and Centipede because sometimes... When the right. sunbeat is hot, you got no choice but to love it. That's it. Go ahead. Hilarious. <laughs> Ew. Y'all go. One of y'all go, please. Oh. I know oh. he he gonna take it a mile again if y'all if y'all let him. I'm not. I'm not gonna say nothing. Look, else. Mark turned his camera off. I hate him. That's oh, why man. I started laughing. And oh. I wish I could see Brandon's face right now. That's all. Um. Oh. Oh my God! There's so many songs about love. Um, the one that's coming to my mind is Betty Wright's "I Love the Way You Love." Ooh. I love the way you love, baby. La, 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 la. That's the one that's really lingering in my head right now from. Um, her 1972 um, album of the same year uh, of the same name. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so like it's so in the pocket, the groove, and you know, just it doesn't really. I mean, lyrically, it's it's just a song that just oozes l- love and sensuality yeah. and and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that's the one that's lingering in my head right now, as far as um, love. There's so many. There's so many. That's a good right. one, though. That's a good yeah. one to pick out out of all. Of, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, Brandon is the truth. Okay. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> what was yours? What's yours? Anthony the Bakers, love you to the letter. Yeah. Ah. Mm. I, I don't know if one would call Anita's songs sexy, but that's probably the sexiest Anita Baker song I know. Mm-hmm. Her 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 interpretation of love is so deep. And it's like sometimes I just really listen and it's like, damn, that's a that's that's heavy. It's like it makes you think. Like it's like like you would read a Toni Morrison book, like you would read it, and it's like, hold on. You said mm-hmm. something right here. Let run me think back. about it. Yeah, run that back. That's yeah, no, Anita, Anita's interpretation of love is a lot like Luther's, whereas where most people sing about love, they sing about what they want to experience. Mm-hmm. I think Anita sings about what she has experienced, which mm-hmm. makes her interpretation just so much deeper than anyone else's because it's not the optim- optimal um, definition of love or what love could be it's what love is and what love yeah. has been for me and, and shout out to the people in soul who actually write about the experience and the complexity of love because that is some people's only education on exactly on yes she she called then she wasn't it the I'm, I'm horrible with lyrics but i think the the start of is like um i i want to honor you or something it's talking about the love is constantly changing and constantly, 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 life is changing. Nothing changes with you. You never do. 
Mm. And Walter changed. He did. They got divorced. Um, it's like <laughs> you can. Can you mute him? I, I'm just saying. I'm just. I think I can. I'm, yeah, yeah, I can. <laughs> I can. Mark asked me if I could. I'm no, like, but yeah, I, I love. I love that that can happen. I love knowing that now. See, she said. I. She said. I have the honor of loving you. That's some deep shit. When you look at it like that, when I have the honor. I've never told somebody it's an honor to love you. That's I, I've never even told my parents that. Like, no, I haven't felt that, that means- yet, I'm glad Anita felt it so we can know what it is. You know what? When did she and her husband split? I don't remember. Um, it was after 2004 because that's when she, or 2003 was my everything, right? And she was still singing mm-hmm. about him then. Yeah, so, so right. I feel yeah. like yeah. I would have loved to get a post-divorce album from Anita where she writes from <laughs> her perspective. You what you want? <laughs> you want to hear Anita melodically singing the word nigga and fuck you? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> She's from Detroit. Like, I don't think Anita would have held anything yeah. back. We would have got it all. Right. Well, you know, um, again, it's not like I asked about a Stephanie Mills post-divorce album. But, you know, <laughs> it's not the same thing. Which is funny. I'm though, not saying nothing. Because when I went to Anita Baker's Mills. show, Stephanie Mills was in the audience. Like I would love yeah. to sit watch their For conversation. Sure. Yeah. Oh, probably they, all kinds of whole bunch of cussing. Everything bleeped out. Everything all kind of cussing. Yeah. Oh, God, please let them write like a like a, a good autobiography before before they move on. Right. <laughs> no ordinary love by Sade. That's fine. Oh, that's your love song. Oh. Yeah. Mm. For me, it, it was just more the words. It sounds like a breakup song, but for some reason, that's the one that comes to me. But it's like I gave you. It's the lyric I gave you all that I could give more, yeah. more than I could give. Uh-huh. That's because I relate to that because I give too much, and mm. I gave you I more that. than I could give, and it's like I get you. Shade. If anybody really identifies with that lyric, please look up the term enmeshment and make your life better. <laughs> what? Hold on, I need to I need to look this up because well, she's looking it up right now because she's like, no, in no. I'm saying, I yeah. Hold on. Well, again, there's a how lot you spell that, Mark? Because my college education only took me so far. How uh-huh. you spell that? E n m e s h m e n. Hold on. I told you my college education, you going fast. You need to slow down. I told you my college education didn't take me that far. I dropped out. Say it one more time slowly, like we in uh, second grade. Go ahead. E-N-M-E-S-H-M-E-N-T. N-I-S-T-E-E, centipede. What? M-I-S-T-E-R. Miss I N D E P. Hey, do you know what that means? Hey, hey, call down letters. I was just trying to think of a song or R E S T T T. Find out what it means. We go and read the two. Respect. See, now, Eric, can you do like one of them threads or like with your favorite songs that got spelling in them? Right. Cool. I could actually. I have a playlist of that with songs that they're just like people spelling things. Yeah. We yeah. gotta tell Al Sharpton not to join in because he didn't spell respect right during the funeral. I can't like, even include my favorite yeah. artist in that list though. <laughs> I mean, I could, but I don't want to start. You said that on Twitter. Who who is that? Text me that. She can't spell. It's okay. Does she have you blocked? I just I'm curious. No, right. no celebrities have me blocked. I've never been blocked by. Is it any because celebrity. you keep changing your your account? Because I I, I like don't. I've had I've had two accounts, but one is only because I was suspended. But no, I because I don't really talk about people negatively. If you're paying attention, sir. I mean, but because I still and I don't mention you people. know this is the I don't do it maliciously after the taping is done. You what are you doing? <laughs> We are at we're what we're gonna do right here is wrap up. I'm gonna ask y'all, I'm gonna do like a little savvy thought, like in terms of what y'all think of all the conversations that were happening during the show. What 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 is what your savvy thought of everything that's happened, what we're talking about? 
I hope other people are able to engage in conversations like this. Maybe minus the shade. And I'm not calling out anybody with a beard in particular. But right, um, <laughs> right, right. Well, I, very you know, handsome. I, a handsome man with a beard. You know. There you go. That'll work. You know. Yeah. What? Right. But yeah, like people who are able to talk about music without uh, jockeying for position or doing the thing like you were talking about, like stand culture. Mm -hmm. I would love for more people to just be able to discuss it and celebrate an artist without throwing somebody else under the bus, which I don't know if we were entirely able to to do here tonight. We'll try I don't think it. we threw anybody under the bus. <laughs> right. I tell you who he didn't throw on the bus. Miss Centipede. <laughs> Brandon. Brandon, go next. What's your savvy thought of what we're talking about during the show? Black Black music education matters. And we should mm. all just embrace our heroes while they're here and you know just keep black music alive just keep it alive go ahead e um i my first thought is any anytime i hear you know r&b is dead or any genre is dead like there are people like brandon and mark and q lynn out here with not only the knowledge and the resources but the passion for it um i think that we are the future that I used to look to in a lot of ways. Like I want more of that. It's like, it's right here. Like Brandon and Mark, their own albumism, writing these masterful reviews of, you know, past and present music. And then you got Q and I here doing the work. I just think that everything is still alive and well. We just have to foster where it is while it's alive and well. And I add on to that. I think, also learned that you know uh, Jennifer sounds like Effie White. I learned that uh, she did interpretation of Effie White. I love that. My other savvy thought is I, I enjoy these conversations. Like I said, I want to keep moving forward, talking just uplifting our black talent because you know mm -hmm. yeah, past and present because it's just needed. And also, um, yeah, just let the so you say what? Justice for six like. <laughs> six like. Sure. Six I that's the one I thought that was six black. That's what the person I thought name was that. And then I stopped caring. It's like if I can't get your name down, I just stop caring. No disrespect. The album but, really was really good though. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I keep hearing that. Yeah, somebody suggested their music and it's Wait, like really? I, yeah. I was yeah, surprised. Well, yeah. no, I, I will take no. When you guys say things, I actually do listen. I won't listen to anybody yeah. else, but no. So I will I will go and look it up and listen. Give, give free, the Free Black album a listen and just see like how you feel about it. As far I'm going to look it up. Okay. But anyway, you were saying. I'm going to look it up. The Six Black, Six Lack. I got to get the name down. Once I get the name down, it then I'll black. look it up. Got you. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, and also... My only savvy thought is just let the humanity shine through the artists as well as the music knowledge, because I feel like it's ignored too much. And I feel like that's why they spiral, especially in this culture now, of social media, because people don't be giving a fuck about nothing about their artists. It could be their favorite. They don't care emotionally, mentally what they're going through. For me, I feel like that should be a part of to me. I don't want you to rush out an album if you're mentally not in a good state. And I feel like more fans of music should be, have that attitude instead of pressuring their favorite to drop an album every 30 seconds, especially when they already dropped one and you didn't buy it. That's another problem as well. Savvy thoughts. Start, buy, start buying music, like the CD, a physical copy. If you wonder why your favorite isn't on TV, maybe you should start buying their albums when they come out, mm -hmm. and maybe you'll see them more. Savvy thought. Y'all give your social medias real quick. Let them know where they can find you. Okay, mine is twitter.com slash Mark Chappelle or Instagram.com slash Mark is a nice person <laughs> because I'm a nice person. Got you. Um, and, and you can probably pick up, pick up the shirt at whatsupshawn.com, W-A-S-S-U-P-S-H-A-W-N.com. Um, and then like if you want to catch any of the articles that I've done, I've got a link tree. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Mark Chappelle, M-A-R-K-C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. I hope that was too fast because we got stuck on enmeshment. But anyway, yeah. anything else I should do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's it. Go ahead, Brandon. Okay. My Twitter is Brandon Owsley, all in one. 
Um, my Instagram is brandosoul underscore. For those of you who don't know what an underscore is, that's just the dash at the bottom of the, you know. Okay. So it's that's great brandosoul underscore. They probably don't know. Some people, yeah. They probably don't know. Yeah. Not, not they know. probably don't. On yeah. the internet. They, yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They are those Go ahead, people. E. Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. That caught me way off guard. I love the fact that he said that. Um, right. Wait, before but, but before we go on, Brandon, can you please spell Brando Soul? Because I know people will be here and not be like, well, how do you spell it? Okay. Okay. Brando Soul. People in the back. B-R-A-N-D-O Soul. S-O-U-L. Soul as in Soul Train. That, 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 that Soul. You used to and go back soul to, as a shoe. You used to go back to third soul. grade. Like Apple, <laughs> this is an Apple. Can you say Apple? <laughs> That's what you brought me back to. But you, because you know, these are the questions that you would get. Is like yeah. people, I, yeah. I don't know. No, I should say that it's so. I should this because it's probably somebody like yes, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> they want um, to explain just like that. Everywhere, universally, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat. Everything is EB for Prez. EB the number four. Prez is P R E Z is in zebra. Um, and I'm also on the Behind the Wheels podcast with DJ Artistic, where we do like present and future and everything music. So you can just find me anywhere. EB for Prez, P-R-E-Z. There we go. And you can find me at Instagram and Twitter. Don't really be on Facebook, but you can follow my Twitter, Instagram at Lane Green. I'm getting ready to start a YouTube page uh, that will become available. I will let y'all know doing some covers of some classics and also some new music just to switch it up. But thank y'all so much for joining us on the Soul Soul Savviness podcast. And thank you, Mark and Mr. Owsley, Brandon Owsley, Mr. Mark Chappelle for being our first guest on the Soul Savviness podcast. This was a treat. Y'all have made my diaphragm hurt from laughing. I'm going to have to rest for a couple of days because this was too much activity for this beautiful Sunday night. But thank you so much for joining us. And as always, what you're going to find on this podcast is just black excellence all the way around. So thank you for tuning in and we out. Whether you need to be comforted, soothed or relaxed, soul savviness got you the ultimate getaway. You are listening to the sounds of soul savviness podcast, where we are sure to put your mind, body and soul at ease.